you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your celestial one-stop pod for all things Rugby Sevens. It's Seventh Heaven and it's me, Bernsey, with Big Chip and Mitch. Burtz's breakdown is back and we have got a hell of a guest. One of the hottest properties in Rugby Union at the moment. He's closed the door on GB7, sadly, but he's up in the clouds to talk about all the magic that he creates on the field for Harlequins and hopefully... For England one day, it's Marcus Smith. Big scoop, the postman chip. You've delivered once again, haven't you, son? You know, finally, um, the seventh heaven startups, I can pay it back. Um, you sprinkled it on me to get me in Quinns. Uh, and it's at least I could do Burnsy to get Marcus on the show. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not even going to say you're welcome for this one. Well, we're looking forward to talking to him later. But I'm particularly looking forward to talking to you, Mitch, because you are in camp. You're in the GB7's camp. Yep, you'll be noticing I've got a very different background, a nice woodland scene above my bed here in camp. This is my room up in Loughborough and this is my home and I'm going to be seeing a lot of this room in the next few days. Uh, yeah, really exciting, mate. So we drove up here today. We were all congregated um, at various time slots separately uh, over the course of today and it's, uh, it was really exciting, mate, to be honest, just to be kicking off and actually getting our feet firmly stuck into it. So you're in camp. Chip obviously isn't because he's still at Quinn's. And then there's other players who aren't in camp. So talk to me about how it's all structured. Yeah, so this initial camp, I think we've got 14 players. Uh, all the staff are up here, um, pretty much. And because of the way things have been working out, obviously this is... Um, with certain players having existing commitments. So they are seeing out some of those commitments to varying timeframes. Um, but hopefully it won't be too long. We get the whole squad up here. Um, so yeah, we're just going to try and kick things off as a 14-man as a squad at the moment and, and lay the foundations for when uh, a few of the big guns, that's you, Chip, come and join us in coming weeks. I'm going to feel like I'm bowling up to a five-a-side game where you've already invited like you've said to your mates, oh, you're out to get five people to play. Like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get five, we'll have ten, you know. We don't want any subs. And then next week, I'm going to turn up and there's going to be one extra and I'm going to be stood on the side with a bib, not allowed to play. Mitch, you're going to be like, this is my ball, you can't play. Um, bit late to the party, but excited to get there. If you bring a better ball than the one we're playing with, then we'll let you play and play with that ball. That's the way it works. So, See, when I was younger growing up, I never had a good kit. I always had the tatty off stuff. Yeah, my mum and dad always used to buy me re- replica boots. I had the oldest ball you've ever seen, kicked the life out of it. It, 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 was, it was hard, but it made me the man I am today. Do you know when I was a lad, uh, I was playing cricket in the street and got a very contentious caught behind given against me. So I took my stumps in. <laughs> they were my stumps, so I took them in and I ruined the game for everyone else. 
<laughs> to my utter shame i think i was like 14 years old there's lads i see oh, around where old. i grew up around town still and it gets brought up right right that oh, that makes so much sense bernsey the shame makes so much sense the shame Would- oh chip before i forget good news for you when you come up because i was there was one element of camp that i was a bit worried because i i was thinking chip if this he, is he's if good- this is what i'm thinking of because I was about to ask you. He's going to be please. fit. I was like, Chip, he's going to be fit. He's been, he's been training. He's, he's going to have his touch in. He'll, his hands will be good. He'll be sharp. You know, he knows what camp life's about. He's done the COVID stuff. He's going to be switched on. He's very determined. He, he's not going to have a problem with any of that. He's going to be absolutely fine with that. You know, be, he's used to living in hotel rooms. But then the question came up. You know, and I, I imagine this question has been floating around your head, Chippy. Don't worry, mate. The rooms have kettles in them. Fantastic. That it's hundred percent my first worry. I um, do you remember Vegas when I went and bought? Yeah, I do. I do. I've never seen you so unhappy. No kettle in the room. Wouldn't you wouldn't have been happy? And I, honestly, I was gonna. That was my first thing. I was like, right, I'll get up to camp, make sure there's a kettle, and then I'll let Chippy know so that because if there isn't, I knew you'd want to bring your own up. I would have as well. Because at nine o'clock, a man needs his lemon and ginger tea. Mm. I had a chamomile tonight actually. <laughs> This or, is, a, or a chamomile. chamomile. This is the life of this is camp life. Actually, this is as exciting as it gets. Is sitting in your room having a chamomile tea at the moment. Anyway, it's camp life. What's the spirit like there in camp? Is it is it all giddy school children sort of getting to see each other? You haven't seen each other, let alone trained with each other for over a year. Well, some people were meeting for the first time. Of oh, course, of course, um, of course. But even for the guys who you know of those of us who have played together for a long time and know each other very well, there's a few of the England boys. I don't think I've seen Bird since Mar- early March, like uh, exactly a year probably to the day almost. Um, there's a few guys like that. So, oh yeah, it, once everyone got in and got settled and then we went on a little recce in small groups and a walk and did a little bit of that, you know, that, t- that game where you have the tennis racket and it's just catching basically and you try and get up to the top. The silliness was off the charts. Like people were like, like slagging each other off people were dropping balls but laughing it was just like you, you can imagine if you slowed it down put it in a slow-mo and put it into a movie the sun would be shining there'd be like birds flying everyone would be like laughing and like hopping and skipping around the place it was like that don't talk about making people jealous on walls mate, when you're doing <laughs> Sorry, that it was but it was kind of the, the funny that's the funny thing about camp i think and this is the way it's probably going to be there'll be little pockets of absolute joy and glee and then it's like Oh, and now I'm I'm back to my room <laughs> by myself. But it's like that carry that joy and glee carries you through. Well, unfortunately tonight, no boredom because I get to speak to you lads and, and record the best podcast in the world. But with COVID, there's no room sharing, I'm guessing. Do you usually room share on these things? Yeah, normally we go away on tour or go to any camp. Hotels is it's two to a room uh, and you share, which is quite good fun actually. It's a really good way of getting to know each other and, and having a laugh. Um but obviously with COVID it's in your own rooms, which I think some of the lads will be really enjoying because especially those with kids, it's a guaranteed good night's sleep because there's always the issue sharing a room that you might get a snorer, but no risk of that here. Right. Speaking of camp, Mitch, you've got to dive off because you're Billy Big Time and you've got a meeting, but you're going to come back ASAP because we've got Marcus coming on. But in the meantime, we're going to go to the fresh news report from Bert's breakdown. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Oi, oi, Bert's in the house, back for the breakdown. What's going on? Hello, hello, back again. Been invited back. Well, Bert's now, now, now it's on your Instagram. 
and you are official. Do you know what? I thought I'd do a chippy and put it in my LinkedIn as well. So I've had, I've put it on my LinkedIn as well. Podcaster extraordinaire, I think. Well, look, Bert, let's start with your team, Was. We're going to get into the sevens in a second, but Was, they beat Saris. Unbelievable. Honestly, I've, I have no words. Like, even... Even what two days later, I still can't believe that we've like beaten them. That we've like finally done it. Um, I didn't play at the weekend, but I was run had the the great job of running on Megan's um, Megan Jones's kicking tee for her, um, which was which was you know a privilege. Yeah, honestly, the girls were class. The girls were some of the girls were, like crawling to get back on side. It was honestly like a bloodbath out there. And then when we won, it was like right in front of where where we stood when the referee blew the final whistle and it was so good. It was so good. That's the only way I can describe it. Like, oh, it, like it, all the hard work paid off. So this is why we haven't heard from you for days. You've been quaffing champagne from the hollowed skull of a vanquished Saracens player. Uh, unfortunately not. We still can't have any social social gatherings yet, but I live with two of the Wasp girls, so we made sure that we had a... We had a beer for the girls after after the game. So, yeah, absolutely class. Literally, when I think about it, it gives me goosebumps. It's so It was so good. So good when we won. All right, we're going to touch on the Madrid Sevens from the weekend because we covered it in pretty good depth last week. The same champions again. Russia did it back to back. But I guess the big story was France and USA had to withdraw because of false positive COVID tests in the tournament. At least that's what I've translated from the Espanol. Yeah. Um, hats off to Russia. Yeah, I w- watched the final versus Kenya um, and they were just they were just dominant, dominant at the breakdown. Um, Elena, I still can't say her name, Drakova. Drakova. Um, out there again, scoring a few tries, an intercept try. Um, yeah, they were, they, were, they were class, but I would have liked to have seen what the matchup would have been if it would have been France either again in the final or seen Russia, uh, seen USA give it give them a go at, at knocking them off their their trophy title spot where they were it'll be interesting of what the officiate officiators take from the Madrid sevens and like move it into hopefully later tournaments down the line um like what they've learned from it whether the covid whether they could keep it safe whether they couldn't it will be interesting to see what how they change it how they adapt i think with all new tournaments there's always teething problems um i think the problems for the people sorting out tournaments at the moment is going to be tenfold with the appearance of covid and everything else has changed um it's not just like you can go from your bog standard this is what we're going to do in a tournament um everything's a lot harder now um, so fair play to Madrid Sevens are putting on tournaments uh, back to back week in week out um, I think uh, on Russia winning um, again you want to kind of test yourself against the best um, and Jack and they are a bit gutted that they didn't come up against someone stronger yeah I, I think I think they'll on one hand they'll be like yeah we've won because um, everyone loves winning a, winning a trophy don't they but like Kenya like fair fair play to Kenya. They did put out like a decent shift, but they were just getting absolutely battered at the breakdown and their Russia's like rush defense was just too much for them. Um, so I wouldn't say it was a, a walkover, but it, 
it wasn't as competitive as what you would like a final to be. What, um, have, you, what have you got against the Kenyans? I mean... I've got like, nothing against yeah. the Kenyans. Week in, week out. I, we should qualify as well that Kenya are in the Olympics. They've already qualified for the Olympics. Well, <laughs> Burtz has got a real bee in her bonnet about the Kenyans. They only lost 19-0. It wasn't a pumping. The kicking Kenyans got rushed by Russia's rush defence. It wasn't, it wasn't a thumping, but like... It just, it wasn't as exciting as what you would want a final to be like. You you could see pretty on pretty early on that Russia were just going to run away with it. Um, we'll, leave, we'll leave it there, shall we? We'll leave it there. Yeah, let's, let's leave it there because I want to talk GB7s. So the squad has finally been announced. You're in the mix, Berts. Yay! Congratulations, Abigail. Congratulations. Come on, 7th Heaven in the GB7 squad. You're welcome. <laughs> Literally threw it, threw it out into the universe. Um, yeah, been it was announced on Friday last week um, who's going to be in the squad mix of um, the English English girls. I think there's six Scots and two of the Welsh girls as well. Um, so, yeah, like it's, it's really exciting. We managed before co- the COVID outbreak to have one GB camp um, up in Scotland, which was, it was really cool and it was really it was really exciting because you bring in all these different players from different nations together. And we, ha- we hadn't been told you have to play a specific way, but we were, we were just finding a groove with it all. And we were playing really, really good rugby. Um, so I'm really excited to see what we're like when we come back together. Everyone's been playing another year of rugby. And even though it's not sevens. Well, well, not really, well, well, the women have been, but maybe not the men. Um, but yeah, because we've all been playing in the Premiership, so we've all been playing against each other. Everyone's had pretty solid rugby all the way through, and really, really competitive rugby as well. Considering mm. these teams of like the likes of Saracens and Quins now, um, they aren't just battering people like Wasps, Exeter, Loughborough when they come up against them, which do have a lot of the GB Sevens girls in. Um, they're putting in putting in a good shift, so it's good to have that competitive side. So then when we're coming in, we're going to hopefully just build on that. Do you remember what date your last camp was? Uh, it was literally this time last year. I'd right. Like... Uh, and am I being stupid? Or was there a COVID outbreak after or two people like that? I was like, or, um, or I dreamt that. No, yeah, you, you were right. One of the Scottish girls did bring it, brought COVID back from Italy. Bloody Scots, eh? Those bloody Scots. Well, speaking of... Can you just tell us a little bit more about the Scottish and the Welsh players in there? Because maybe people won't have seen them as much as they've seen the English girls in action. Yeah, so from Scotland, you've got Rona Lloyd, who currently plays for Loughborough Lightning. Um, the Rona gets everywhere. Yeah, the Rona gets... <laughs> don't, don't let the Rona, the Rona. in camp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she's absolutely ripping it up for Loughborough Lightning at the moment on the wing. Um, insane pace, but also as well, she she's um, she has her own band called Rona and the Wales. Rona and the Wales? I think that's what it's called. Very cool. It's a mix of all the Scottish girls um, and it, Rona playing the ukulele and it's, it's all a bit strange, but they actually have like a t-shirt that says Rona and the Wales on them. It's nice, it's nice that someone's got merch. Yeah, oh, literally. God. Oh God, always coming back to the merch. <laughs> Um, love that Rona and the Wales uh, and then you've got another flyer from Wales Jasmine Joyce who everyone knows about from the last outing for GB at Rio yeah Jazz has been absolutely tearing it up on, on the wing at Bristol at the moment um, 
she's scoring a ridiculous amount. And I, I remember like what watching the Bristol games back, just her ability to beat defenders one-on-one acceleration, um, acceleration to fend as well. Um, she's, she's insane. And it will be a really interesting matchup when we do come into camp having Scotland's Rona Lloyd, um, then you've got Jazz, and you've also got Deborah Fleming, you've also got Emma Uren, um, all on the wing who are really, really strong, strong wingers and really, really good at their jobs. Um, so that will be like a really interesting matchup when we come in. But then also as well, you've got um Chloe Rowley, who's been playing at um Harlequins this season. Um, you've and then you've got um Helen Nelson, who was also playing at Loughborough. Them two have been really, really impressive within the within the premiership. Um as well, they've both gone back up to Scotland at the moment, preparing for some of their 15s camps um, that, have, that they're in at the moment. But then also you've got a few of the girls who aren't in the Premiership, who are in like the Scottish Development Squad, which is um, Megan Gaffney, Lisa Thompson and Hannah Smith, who are also very class players. Megan Gaffney was involved in the last um, like cycle of training within before Rio. So it's exciting to have her on board as well. Then the fight, the final one that you've got is Hannah Jones um, from Wales who plays 13 at Gloucester Harper at the moment, who was absolutely ripping it up in the first few rounds of um, the AP 15s player of the round a few times player match. Uh, please. Can you say Hannah, Hannah Jones in a Welsh accent? Next time? Maybe. <laughs> well, that's Let me see. Um, I, don't, I, think, I don't think I can do a Welsh accent. Should try. Have a go. Go, go on, go on. We give us one. It it's not recorded. Yeah, we'll edit it out. I don't. Ah, uh, Hannah Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a soundbite for you. There we go. There we go. It'll get edited out. Don't you worry about that. So that's the t- <laughs> that's the teams covered. Let's talk about the monies because mm-hmm. you're getting the same as the fellas. Bit of a landmark moment for the game. And yeah. just to cla- just to again qualify for the listeners, the GB women's sevens are going to be paid exactly the same as the men's GB sevens. It's step in the right direction, isn't it? But yeah, it hundred percent is. Um, it's just it's really exciting for women's rugby and just women's sport in general. You you've seen that the English um, women in football are now paid the same as the men when they play for England and also in Brazil as well in the football. And when that came out, it was, it was really, really exciting. And I thought, wow, they're really going in the right direction with like equality within their sport. Um, so when it came out that we were going to be getting paid the same, I just thought like, wow, we are, we're moving in a, in a direction where women's rugby and men's rugby will be on par now. Um, which I think is really, really exciting. And it's, it's something when you're younger that you dream you can have the same opportunities. So, yeah. I think the beauty of the GB7s teams, like kind of being a whole new entity at the moment, is that you can kind of set the standards now um, mm-hmm. and without being like, oh, this is what we used to get paid. This is what people get paid. And like trying to bring up the women's to match the men's. Kind of starting it from scratch, women's matching men's is just a sign of the times of today. So, yeah. Good work from everyone involved. Shout out to Charlie here. Do you know what? Someone's clearly smelt a conversation about equality because Tom Mitchell's just about to enter the room. <laughs> it's hard enough answering anything coming in straight straight off the back of a, a rugby meeting. Um, what a juicy topic comes straight into the pod for. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a nice statement. And not only, well, so there's two sides to it. One, it's great for the people involved and it's the right thing, but it's also a statement, isn't it? And it's something that hopefully will resonate beyond just the programme and rugby for that matter. Um, there's a really interesting dilemma around in, at the moment or the way I perceive it, investment in women's sport and generating rewards down the line because let's face it it's all commercially driven and the problem I think we've had a lot in this country is we've only pumped money into things that are already generating money so people wonder why the games don't grow this is if you don't invest in them they're not going anywhere and I think to a large extent that's the case with the women's game and probably sevens as well to some extent you can come again Mitch yeah that was good Mitch yeah you're all right, Mitch all right Bert I think that's that about wraps it up for another week Oh, great. Thank you guys for having me again. Bert, you don't have to say thanks anymore. You, you yeah. can just say goodbye. Yeah. All right. Also, yeah, Bert, let's just clarify this. It's not us. We're not hosting you. You are a host. You're, <laughs> you're, this is like... we're, talking, we're talking about equality, Bert. Equality was born in 7th Heaven. You've got to come up with a unique exit, like for when we finish the pod. That's, that's your homework for this week. Yeah, because our exit took years. It took real months of sculpting to get something beautiful and brilliant that we sign off to every week. Well then, goodbye from Burt's and Burt's breakdown. We'll go with it. Cheers, Burt's. Keep working on it, Burt's. <laughs> one night in heaven, Right, lads. Can, I, can you guys make a GB Olympic squad a bit more often because our social media exploded when we made the announcement? Mate, we're the authority on sevens. I've been saying it. We've been saying it. And now it's actually happened. Generally, though, people, but that was what was doing the rounds, was the post. And I'm, I, it's a good job you got it right. <laughs> people, people were sending it to me on Instagram. I was loving it. I was like, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. But thank you. I, d- I did spell Deborah Fleming's name wrong, for which I apologise. But it was, it was a hurry because thank, thank you for not giving me the heads up, guys, on the squad. I basically saw it and then panicked and had to quickly draft the squad out onto something visually attractive for social media but we got there in the end and we got all the squad down i used to leave my homework to the last minute and then keep telling myself that you, you have to work a pressure on a, on, on a on a piece of coal makes a diamond so well done bernsey do you know what though chip the other thing about pressure can create diamonds but it can burst pipes as well so you've got to watch out for that right let's talk about the personnel couple of scots in the mixer couple of welsh Book. Puggy up. Puggy's right up from those Scots. No, they're actually been sound, breaking the barriers down. Been actually quite friendly, um, as opposed to the last GB camp where we had to we had to bloody hit them with a fat load of de-icer because they were frosty. Um, not they, <laughs> they, they, these lads are dead sound, yeah. I mean, the other Scottish lads were dead sound, but they did hate the English big time. I'm sure these do as well, but maybe a bit less visible. They just haven't told us yet, have they? They just haven't let yeah. us know how much. Um, yeah, strong Scottish contingent. A um, couple of guys who were involved in the last GB squad. Um, Jamie Farndale uh, being a notable one from that group. Um, and a couple of couple of younger faces from the Scots as well. Ross McCann. Um, Paddy Kelly's one who's, who's played a bit less sevens. People might not know quite as well on the sevens circuit uh, up at Glasgow at the moment. Um, and, and in all honesty, we're getting to know all these lads aren't we chip as much as um everyone listening will be uh which is exciting it's really cool yeah so i'll hit you up with the gossip in a couple of weeks when i know all their deepest and darkest secrets yeah we'll, uh, we'll unleash all their deepest darkest secrets on the pod lovely i'll give them a reason to hate that's the scots uh luca Tra- lukey trahana as expected in the mix luke morgan 
friend of the pod. Did you put or- an accent on Luke Trahan's name, surname yeah, there, and the last E? I think you did. Did you accent the last E? I like that. Luke Trahana. It's like a nickname, you know, Trahani boy. I thought it was Trahana. No, it's just Trahana. I'm going to call him Trahana from here on out. It sounds more exotic. We'll go with Trahana. Rhymes with banana. Exactly. What we say goes up here. You saw the likes on the the squad announcement. It's Trahana. But the person I want to talk about is Lukey Morgan, who we had on the pod last year. God, Jesus, long time ago. I think back in June. It was in the mix for the last GB squad. Yes, you're welcome, Luke. We mentioned we got you on and you're back in the squad. Uh, but he picked up an unfortunate injury when he was in red hot form four and a half years ago. Yeah, it's great that Mogsy's going to be back in the mix because, well, I mean, it, anyone who's watched him play sevens before uh, knows how good he is. But also, he's been tearing up in 15s as well since Rio. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to get him back in the mix and, and running rings around people again. He, he might be one to dodge in training, I think, Chip. So otherwise, we might look silly. There's no substitute for pace, and he is bloody quick. Yeah, good bloke as well. And Solid then bloke. It's quite it's quite confusing because you've got Luke Morgan, and then the third Welsh lad is Morgan Williams. So you've got a Morgan first name and a Morgan surname. <sighs> Nightmare. Can't go wrong. Just shout it. One of them answer. Yeah, Morgs is um Morgs was actually involved in the last. Morgan Williams, this is, was involved in the last GB camp as well, uh, came in a little bit later. Um, and m- most recently, he's been at Hartbury. Uh, but he's got a ridiculous step. Lovely little late step, right close to the defender. Good feet. And he's pretty quick as well. Nice, nice, nice. We're looking forward to hearing more tales of camp, Mitch, over the next few weeks. And then, Chip, you're going in on Monday, are you? So we're going to have both of you there in the mix. But we've got to talk about the Madrid 7s. So let's wrap up Madrid 7s then. Those slimy RGs won again. Um, it is what it is. Let's not, less, said, less said about that, the better, isn't it? Pumped Kenya in the final. Oh, well. Next. <laughs> I think that's probably the type of analysis that people are after, Chip. Uh, and I think you've nailed it. It, it was. It, I, I was actually a bit surprised they won again, I'll be honest. I thought Kenya, after their strong showing last week, would, would step up and take it this week. But... No, it's, I tell you what, back-to-back weekends, tough. Tough at the best of times, let alone when you've not done it for a while. So fair play to all of them sticking at it. But um, yeah, the Argies, eh, Chip? They might be doing it just to spite you. Ah, fuck them. They, um, they've got all their wins out of the way now. They're not going to do anything for the rest of the season. Right, well, that's the Madrid 7 thoroughly covered off. <laughs> but USA, again, falling short. A lot of their new players a bit underwhelming in the second week. It's always tough. I think that's the you kind of summed it up with the new players bit, Burnsy. The the shock of playing a tournament to that caliber will have been higher than a lot of them have ever experienced. And then to go back to back, that aspect of it is massively underestimated. The women kind of experienced it for the first time last year when they went back to back for the first times in tournaments. Um, and they they came back and said how hard it was. And and for young lads who've not done it before to come on and go back to back uh, with an inexperienced squad with a lot of their players injured and then you add the mental um, aspect of it with losing your star player your your world your double or triple world player of the year I, I think yeah. double the double world player of the year P-Bake dropping out uh, and what does that do for your squad um, yeah so tough for the USA boys but obviously a learning curve and I'm sure Giza will have made sure they had a couple of beers and, and put the world to rights after 
Um, so yeah, hard lines for for the Americans, and yeah, be good for their squad. You've hit the nail on the head, Chip. Um, people do underestimate the back-to-back challenge physically and emotionally, mentally, how fatiguing it is, how hard it is to get yourself in the right place for that second weekend. But based on what Giza said last week, I don't think he'll be particularly worried. The the benefit of the experience, it will serve them well long-term. It's not about winning the Madrid Sevens, is it? Let's be honest. That's not what it's about. And you've got to flip it around then for Argentina and think, you know, have they... Because I didn't see too much different from them either. Um, I've not analysed it super closely, but what was their approach going to it? Were they going into it to win? Bear in mind, they've been training for a long time. Were they just looking to get a win under their belt and boost their morale? Or are they looking at the big picture? I think the makeup of their squad kind of alludes to where they were at with going to a tournament. I think if you if you go into win, you send your best squad. I think if you go in there to blood players, you send you send a mix, or you send or you play your mix. You know, by the looks of it, they're putting their strongest seven out to most games. So mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe side, though, if you're yeah. if you're if your strongest seven and your experienced players haven't played any rugby, then surely you put them in. And that's why I thought actually when Giza was saying he's left some boys at home. That's you know those that's prolonging the amount of time before those guys are actually playing any sevens. So it's an interesting call, risk reward. Big shout out to Chile who appeared from nowhere to fill the sixth spot because obviously the French were all coveted up as every person in French rugby appears to be at the moment. So Chile came in for a late call into the tournament, and they, do you know what they did all right? Did you see their stash? Sublime. Chilele, as they're known on the series. Yeah, because we brought Chilele out the other week, didn't we? When we were talking about wildcard teams on the World Series. And we actually mentioned that they were one of the better sides that you normally come up against in the in the North America leg or the Americas leg of the World Series. So no surprise that they turned up and did all right. Some good players over there. Did very well. They scored an excellent try against Kenya. But, and I haven't checked his name. I'm interpreting the Spanish commentary. It doesn't sound like a Chilean name. Tommy Winkler. (laughs) He was number 12, according to the commentators, Tommy Winkler, wheels. Right. I think that that is the Madrid Sevens nicely wrapped up. A Michael Dublé for the Russian women and the Los Pumas Sevens. But it's time for the main event. Let's get your guest on, Chip. He's one of the most talked about talents in England at 10 at the moment. There was a bit of buzz around him potentially featuring for GB7 in Tokyo, but he put that to bed this week in the media. But we've got him in person. It's Chip's best mate at Quinn's, Marcus Smith. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Um, yeah, it's been, I've listened to a couple of bits from this podcast and it's nice to finally be on it. <laughs> they, people always say that, Marcus. You don't have to lie. I actually have. I actually have, mate. I've been, I've been, Chippy's been showing me lots of little bits and bobs. <laughs> he's pinning so, yeah. me down and playing it for his phone. <laughs> yeah, he said, he said one time uh, he, he bigged me up on it. So he, he made me listen to it before the, uh, which game was that? Last sale, actually, last week, yeah. Maybe listen to him. Yeah, we won, which was which was nice. Give us the honest opinion. Like, what does everyone think about Chippy at Quinn's? <laughs> yeah, he's funny, mate. He's obviously um, he's obviously made had to make. I'm here, by the way. Yeah, I know. I can hear, I can see you, Chippy. Yeah, um, yeah. He's obviously had to make friends pretty pretty quickly and um, fit into a group pretty sharpish. But I think that's happened easy for him. Um, he's had a few scraps with the back other back rows, which has been, which has been good to watch. 
<laughs> not scrapped. Oh, we haven't heard about those. Little little disagreements, which I guess that's not like you, Chip. That's out of character. <laughs> Got to be in it to win it. <laughs> He was saying he's going to start a scrap with you as well if you keep stepping him in training. <laughs> yeah, he, he's told me once already that never to look at him like that again. So, um, yeah, I, I try not to look at him and just dummy around him. But, uh, but Marcus, you you love your sevens though. But you apparently you watch it the whole time. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of sevens even growing up. Um, obviously, I was, I'm half Asian myself. So when I used to grow up on that side of the world, I watched a lot of uh, Hong Kong sevens. My dad and mum met in Hong Kong, so... They always enjoyed going to Hong Kong Sevens. Um, they always told me the times when they enjoyed the South Stand and, and all that stuff. Lobbing beers at the police uh, down the front, making them massive beer snakes. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I kind of was um, almost involved, like not involved, but, but heavily, heavily watching that sort of stuff in Asia. Obviously, Super Rugby is big over there, but the other big thing is, is Rugby Sevens and to, to see them live in Hong Kong, which is probably, having spoken to Chippies and, and Will Edwards at Quinn's, one of the best tournaments there is, um, was obviously a nice way to to expose myself to watching that sort of rugby. And Marcus, watching you in, like, over the years and obviously seeing you in training, um, you, to me, like, stand out as, like, one of the players that, if I could pick anyone from the Prem, I'd pull you over to sevens. Who were you, like, idols growing up? And, like, why do you, like, goose the life out of everyone? And where's this big jump pitch kick from? <laughs> yeah, so I've seen. I've obviously I've seen you do your your extras, your fitness and stuff, and and trying to goose around the the shorter shorter straight lines down the from the try line to the corner. Uh, I see you doing them, and then obviously growing up, um, I remember doing a doing a flight from Hong Kong back to Singapore because I think Sarevi was doing a a gig or something in in Singapore, one of them dinners that he he probably spoke spoke uh, in front of. And um, I remember him carrying me when I was real young. Uh, so obviously I, I've I've seen him I think once or twice at Hong Kong Sevens when I was real young. And the things he used to do with the rugby ball were were ridiculous. The try he scored against I think New Zealand when he was holding the ball up in the air like that was was pretty cool. And then William Ryder um, used to dominate as well. He's I don't I actually asked some of the Fijian boys now what he's what he's doing and I think he's out in France I think and um, apparently he used to play football in Fiji or something so I don't know how someone who's, who's that talented and that freakish uh, running with the ball is is not playing anymore sadly but yeah those two guys kind of stood out and, and the way they used to uh, bamboozle defenders was something quite exciting and uh, they always got the the crowd on side which is also nice to see. I remember when I was at school and at uni and I used to go on YouTube and just search and watch through William Ryder videos and just sit down and watch them for inspiration. Love it. With that kind of like, kind of early interest in the game, was it ever anything that came up in terms of an avenue for you? Yeah, so I would have loved to have tried it. Um, I've always, I always say it now that, like I, when, I, when I've heard of like people like Jack Clifford and Danny Kerr who, who tried, their, tried their hand at sevens, it's kind of something that obviously um, I've missed an opportunity in some way. However, also, I think the the way the the pathway system is now it's very different to how it used to be. Um, for one reason or another, they don't use the sevens program here as a as a stepping stone. But I guess I don't really know the ins and outs of that. Um, but you look at other countries. I still remember watching uh, New Zealand watching the Twicken, Twickenham sevens one time, and I got I actually got Ardi Surveyor's scrum cap, which is quite cool because obviously he did it. 
Ioane what played there as well. Rico Ioane, the winger. I think the back row I did as well. So I think other countries. We know, we know, we know about him. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Mitch played, gloss, played when he made his Gloss day. over this bit. Gloss over this bit. <laughs> yeah. so it, was, it was sad. It was a sad day. Let's yeah, but but obviously it's one of them things that um, potentially I would like to try, but. Um, it hasn't happened so far, but the only time I've, I've tried sevens was at the singer sevens. I've, I've done that a couple of times, which is, which is good fun. And, um, it was a good opportunity for me. And, um, I think I wouldn't have started a couple of years ago if I didn't play that tournament. So it was a nice way to sort of start men's rugby. Mate, speaking of men's rugby, you've played 98 times for Quinns. You've scored 859 points. You've got 73 appearances in the Prem, you're 20 in European and you're 22. <laughs> but it is absolutely mental numbers. Firstly, congratulations. Secondly, is it true that they're renaming the stoop after you? <laughs> no, not, not yet, mate. Um, yeah, obviously it's an iron. Just a stamp. Just a stamp. Not yet. No, obviously it's, 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 um, it's it's been thrown out there how many games I've played at such a young age, but um, I obviously got an opportunity real young um, through injury uh, to a fellow fly-off, Dimitri. So I was lucky to get that opportunity at such a young age. However, um, yeah, obviously Brown is now leading the way and he's probably got another 40, 50 games in him. So um, he's a freak of a man. So I've got I've got a long way to go on that side, but I'm enjoying my rugby at the minute and uh, long may it continue at Quinns, hopefully. Well said. Let's let's get into it. Obviously, this um, this article about the uh, Marcus Smith snubs Team GB um, betrayed. What's, what's the crack? Um, yeah, obviously, I, I um, heard from Chippy at Quinns one time that obviously the the GB seven stuff was going ahead, and as any young kid growing up, uh, my number one aim in, in my career is to play for England. Um, not just now for the next ten years, hopefully, and and represent Quinns at the highest level hopefully winning trophies and then, but that's at a very young age, obviously the Olympics wasn't, um, didn't have rugby and didn't have that sort of pinnacle of, of a young man's career. Like, um, so, so when I saw that as an opportunity and I watched a lot of the Rio stuff, um, when was that now? Three and a half years ago, four years ago now, um, it was obviously suddenly got real exciting. Like there's a lot, there was a lot of 15s boys there um, and it suddenly became a bit of a reality and a bit of a dream in some way. Obviously, I didn't realize that um, there was going to be any interest or, or some interest at all. Um, but when I had the chat with uh, Hate, Hater, is it Charlie Hater? When I had a chat with him in my car, um, it sounded real exciting and it sounded um, like an opportunity I couldn't couldn't sort of miss. Um, and then I thought long and hard with my family, had, had some good chats with uh, people in in the game of rugby and um just some <laughs> no no just some coaches in the game of, just some coaches in the game of rugby and um yeah i've decided to to keep working on my craft in, in rugby union 15 side and because i've got a lot still to learn on on that side in terms of managing games and uh influencing defenses and stuff like that but yeah obviously it was it was in my head for a, for a, a week or a couple of weeks to to give give it a try but then um yeah, having thought long and hard about it, I've made. I'm happy with the decision I've made now. Mate, what will be will be. There's a lot. There's a lot of unhappy people, um, but there is definitely one happy person on this call as well, who is happy that you didn't. You didn't, you didn't join the sevens, eh, Rich? Marcus, I'm just disappointed that that you 
that he, he shied away from it. He didn't fancy coming and mixing it <laughs> with, the, with the likes of us here. Um, it would have been nice to have the opportunity to teach you a thing or two, you know, footwork stuff, goose step stuff, you know, bamboozling defences. You know, I could have taught you a thing or two about that, but that, that's fine, mate. We'll, we'll find another We'll find another time for it. No, I've missed out. Uh, I've missed out. I, I'm genuinely thinking on, on, about trying to, trying to get him in for, for some restart practice for you. Every time he kicks it, it goes over 10 metres. It's miraculous. No, you're doing it wrong. Um, you've got to do the, the occasional <laughs> one short of nine. Um, we, we've actually been trying to get a kick in practice together for about three years. But yeah, too big time, isn't no, it? No, but when, when nah, nah, mate, that's not true. When this is all lifted, we'll um, we'll definitely do something. I remember Warren telling me that um, when he used to work with you guys, that uh, Tom Mitchell was trying to do kickoffs left and right, left to the left foot to the right side, and then right foot to the right, to the left side. So I'm looking forward to hopefully um, learning that and, and trying to challenge you on that. All jokes aside, though, mate, I think it would be brilliant if the sevens world got a chance to watch you at the at the top level do some sevens one day maybe that's not for now and I'm, I'm glad that you considered it deliberated it on it um what would have to dare i ask what might have to change for you to to maybe have a step into that sevens world and have that experience one day um i, I guess i've got to keep improving my, my 15 side obviously the number one goal of my career is to play for england um at twickenham in front of 90,000 80,000 people and hopefully win a World Cup with England um, and be the best player on that side. However, uh, never say never. You see a lot of guys, Sonny Bill Williams, obviously completed rugby league, completed rugby union. So I wanted to wanted to complete rugby rugby sevens as well. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised as well if he if he was in Tokyo at the end of this year as well, because he's he's clearly he clearly does he tries to achieve at the highest level and and tries to accomplish many of his goals. So yeah, I, I never say never, but I've got I've got things I want to achieve in in fifteens first. Um, firstly at Quinns, I want to get us in the top four and and challenge him for stuff, and then hopefully um, if selected for England, I would like to to try and do that there as well. You're on the right path, Marcus. You're doing it well. Cheers, Chip. You've got your some 22-year-old to turn down an all-expenses-paid trip to Tokyo, few sakis, hit the karaoke bars, bit of sevens, <laughs> come back with a gold. I mean, could have completed it in, in one summer, but I get it. Five more months with Chippy. Unbearable. Unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, back, we'll back you for that England spot before long, mate, because... Um... We've got a, a little thing on the Seventh Heaven Pod. It's called the Seventh Heaven Pod Stardust. And typically, when people are in, in the mix on the pod, it winds up with them doing extraordinary things in their careers. So it's only a matter of time now. Now you've come on. Hey, Marcus, we've got quite a lot of young listeners uh, who tune in. And it's fair to say that you took to the Prem like a duck to water. We're agreed. He's doing all right, isn't he? And have you got some advice for young players who are coming up they're progressing, they've got potential and they've got eyes on playing for a club like Quinns and then aspirations to play for England like you do. Yeah, I would say, I know it's a cliche saying in terms of enjoying every moment. Um, I was never forced as a young young kid growing up to, to just do rugby. So I played a lot of range of sports when I was growing up. I played a lot of cricket, a lot of football, uh, sevens and fifteens. And I loved everything about it. I, lo- I just loved being there with my mates. Um, even in Asia, when we used to watch my dad and um, with my mum, she used to come throw balls at me and my two younger brothers um, and just things like that, which which made me find the love for being outside, being around other um, 
blokes and and trying to compete i'm obviously i'm one of three in, in my two younger brothers and my dad's pretty competitive himself so any anything we do together is is very competitive so um that's why i'm competitive and um yeah for me i'll just say just enjoy everything you can and and focus on your skills in in whatever sport you do and make sure you do it with a smile on your face because then you've got more chance of um practicing it when it's when it's raining and hailing and uh, windy down in sussex Sound advice. I, I can vouch for that as well. He's constantly smiling in training, but I think I'd be smiling as well if I was goosing and chipping over people and stepping everyone and being just this, the silkiest player, like second silkiest after me uh, in the Quinn squad. <laughs> Is it weird being such a young man and having played so much already in the Prem? Because like, you look around you, you're surrounded by fully grown men. Like, that sounds that sounds like I'm saying you're not a fully grown man, but you know people who've been around the block who look like Chip, for example, and you know <laughs> you're three seasons in, you're obviously leading the teams in terms of the backs. Like, is it strange? Yeah, sometimes I do have to pinch myself. Um, but the leaders we got at Quinns always put their arm around me. Um, even the first session I did, John Kingston said to me, Marcus, um, you're the flaff, you make the calls. If you've, if anyone's got any issues, come to me and speak to me, as well as the other senior guys, Danny Kerr, um, Brownie and, and Marla did the same thing pretty early on. So to have those sort of people who I obviously looked up to and idolised as, as Quinn's legends sort of thing, um, give me that confidence at such a young age kind of made me um, grow a, an inch or two, which, which helps. Um, but also, also I've, I've been quite bossy, uh, my whole life. I always get told off growing up about talking too much. So from that side of things, it, like that, that bit was the easy part for me. It was just, um, the physicality sort of thing about around men, obviously I'm not the biggest myself. Um, so trying to deal with big blokes like Chip in training, running too hard in a, in a 30% session. Uh, isn't isn't always the best thing early early in the week. <laughs> You've got to make an impression on your trials. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Marcus knows he's, he knows the rules for crossfield kicks as well. When uh, yeah, when I'm sure. on the wing, don't you, Marcus? Yeah, I, I, he told me off. After, it was the wasp game. After wasp game, he said, uh, "Did you see my hand?" He kept saying, "Did you see my hand?" I was like, "Yeah, sorry, mate." He said, "You need to you need to put one there for me. I'll, I promise you, I'll win it." He's like, "There's no one better than me." <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, mate, next time, next time. Put it up there, you'll get it back. That's what I say to Rich as well. So, Marcus, you're not on there. Modesty is not lost on Big Chip. I'd like to ask one more question about Queens. Uh, the style that you guys play as a team must be so fun to play because you look at some of the other teams, very structured, forward dominance, uh, whereas you guys just play as you see it, like having that license must be exhilarating. Yeah, it's class. Um, obviously, the last five or five six weeks have gone gone our way, apart from last weekend. Um, but the style we're trying to play is is kind of a style that's instilled in a lot of us youngsters come who've come through the academy. Um, I remember growing up, we used to just do touch games for hours on end um, on Monday nights at SSP, whether it was snowing raining or, or windy or, or even hailstones coming down. We used to just throw the ball about. Um, and the big thing they used to tell us was like, just make good decisions on the ball, whether that was run, kick, pass. Uh, if you feel it's on and you've got a reason to do it, do it. And um, whatever the whatever the outcome is, good, bad, indifferent, we had a call, like if it hit the floor, fix it. So we'd all buy into to that sort of mindset. Um, and it's nice uh, last 
last five, six weeks, even even last longer than that, last few months, we've we've there's been more and more youngsters coming through, which for myself is is very very exciting, and um, to have people with a similar mindset who've come through the same sort of pathway as me uh, makes it a lot easier to. Um, to sort of react with them and obviously uh, they're my good mates as well. So it's nice to, yeah, I'm enjoying myself at the minute at Quinns and um, hopefully we can keep as the sun comes out more and more uh, at the back end of the season, we can we can keep putting 50 points on some people. It looks like you're enjoying yourself doing it, mate, as well. No, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. As I said, yeah, it's class. We kind of cover the Olympic stuff in the sevens and well, with your form in mind, with Quinns's form in mind, a lot of people talking about you, 10 and that big goal of yours. England have you had any chats around that do you know what the deal is when we're going to see you in a white jersey or is that too big a question to be asking no I've I've had um, some dialogue with Eddie um, he's very clear on the feedback um, on his feedback to me and in, in terms of how he wants me to improve uh, I know I've got a lot of things to improve on um, both sides of the ball my defense I need to be more aggressive and um, punch more above my weight and then in attack in attack I need to Keep my super strength in my running running game as well as learn to to manage the team and and make good decisions for eighty minutes, not just not just fifty sixty minutes. Um, yeah, which I'm which I'm constantly working on. I've got brilliant coaches at Quinns, and I still speak to my old school coach um, down in Brighton. So it's it's all good, and I'm and I'm working pretty hard on it. So um, yeah, hopefully hopefully soon, but I've got a long way to go yet um, in my development. Solid answer. Really, always enjoyable watching you playing. Do your thing, mate. Keep it up. Well, we'll have to get you. You'll have to come up at some point, mate, and get involved. Either get involved in training or just come and watch and give us some pointers up at camp when when we're allowed. No, I'd love to, mate. I'd love to try it, try it out, and do some kickoffs and and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it'll be good fun. I appreciate it, uh, Tom. I'll uh, try and step chippy. I'll try and step chippy in front of all of you. What is all? I mean, I don't watch a huge amount of the 15 stuff. I'm not religiously watching him week in, week out. But very rarely does he seem to be too rattled in, you know, what is it? Quite a, a you know heated, tough environment, and to to be that sort of steady, and it's, it appears to be quite steady at such a young age, is, is remarkable. And he's always seemed to have been like that. Is that what he's like around the place as well, Chip? Yeah. I um I can I can vouch for that. He he's kind of unrattleable. Like things go wrong in training or something goes wrong, he doesn't like lose his head and be like, "This is fucking terrible." He he calls people in and say, "22 years old, bear in mind this is." He's calling like Marler and like Bollocking people like that, like double double British and Irish Lions, and telling him why it's not good, what he needs to do better, and what we're going to do the next play. Like when things go wrong for him, it, it kind of. It looks like to me. He, I've obviously only known him five, six months. It, it looks like it focuses him, if anything. Um, and in games, you can see that, like the way he bosses the game, the way he sees it. Um, yeah, he, he's a really cool head on such a young, like a young body. Like, it's exciting for the future for him. Like he speaks about playing for England. I've got no doubt that he'll go on to play for England. Now, but... You can't. You can't imagine him not progressing on to do that. To have lots and lots of caps. The way he's started his career and going on. What do you think about the points that he said that he, he's got to work on? Uh, when someone says to him about his physicality in in defence, that was one of them, wasn't it? Isn't that what the back row is for? That exactly what I was going to say. Like, what is your job as, as 10? To dictate the play, to make your tackles and, and to, to do what you're good at. Like, I'm not practicing. I'm not, at the end of training, I'm not sitting down and being like, right, I best practice me goal kicking now because that's a, a part of rugby. 
you know, I'm, that's not my, you know, I can do it. There's, there's no here there about it. I can already do that. But there's no, as a back row, like I don't need, I don't need to be good at that. I need to be good at getting over the ball. I need to be good at making me tackles. I need to be fit enough to get around the park. And for him, I kind of feel that that's not a relevant, like relevant point. He makes tackles. The only thing I can, that's, I can imagine that if that's been brought up, it suggests that his minimum, like, as you say, everyone has strengths in whatever position they're in. Like no one's going to be looking for him to be making massive shots and turning ball over in defence, whatever. So the suggestion is, I guess, that his defence is not up to a minimum standard that it needs to be, or his physicality is not a minimum standard it needs to be to play test rugby. It, it, is that what we're reading into this? He does. I don't think he's a player who gets found out, though, in the Premiership. Like, I don't see Marcus Smith getting picked off. And I've seen him take down big players. So there are obviously tens that exist in the league who are creative and they're known for their flair, but they are frail defensively. But that's not a tag that walks hand in hand with Marcus, I don't think. And he and he's brave as well. If you want to like see how brave he is, just search. There's a clip of him against Northampton last year against Aldendorf or something. This massive juicer for Northampton who literally is your trademark running straight South African and sees him and he's got a sprint from the backfield. And Marcus just waits, waits, waits and shows how smart he is as a player as well. Dips his height, shots him low, straight to the deck. Like great technique, great heart, like for me, if you can do it on him, you can do it on anyone. It's kind of like if you're gonna buy, if you're gonna buy a Fabergé egg, don't then throw it from a first floor window. You know what I mean? Like you know, that's not why you're buying it. You're buying it because it looks amazing, and it, and, it, exactly. and you can put it on the mantelpiece, and everyone loves it. I don't know why. If, I don't know why I thought of a Fabergé egg. Best analogy ever. And we've had some good. <laughs> we've had some good ones. That is weird. I don't know what they're the, putting in the dinners out at GB7's camp, but I love where it's taken your mind. The seventh heaven analogies, it's just the weirder, the better, isn't it? I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to them. But what a solid bloke. He is a good lad. Like, one of the nicest, like, blokes, humble, considering all he's achieved so far in three seasons and where, where he's at, like, in the stages of his career. What a humble bloke. To, to be that talented and so humble, like, it's kind of inspiring to be around and I think that's what what his kind of value is to the Quinn squad as well like he's, he's a driver and he's an inspiration I think that's underestimated you know like in professional sport actually just being someone who people warm to especially in that role like you know him calling players in it's probably people will listen and relate because he's he's a guy who is approachable someone who people do warm to and it does have a performance transfer um and it seems like such a small thing. It's just a character trait, but actually, you know, probably a big part of his success. And 100% with you, Chip, he's just a love, lovely, lovely bloke, isn't he? And doesn't sound, doesn't sound like he's entirely closed off for playing sevens as well, which is exciting for us, hopefully, at one stage in the future. Sounds like it's not going to be Tokyo, but maybe in the future. There's a big... What, you know, really played into my head when we were talking about that is, you know, what needs to happen in sevens to really bring those players across so obviously he he's grown up like we did chip probably still in a similar culture where 15s was more on tv you know the the rugby heroes were mostly 15s players because that's who you saw that's who you watched that's who was in the in the public eye so what do we need to do to get sevens to a place where actually the most talented players coming through do want to do it and, and it's not just another thing they want to do or it's not second in line after playing for the England 15 side or, or going to 15s World Cups. 
Um, and I guess that's it. That's, that's our aspiration, isn't it? Partly in, in what we do is to try and drive the game forward to get it to that place. And if we can't get it to that place, Mitch, we can do a Dubai Sevens Invitational Tournament, Seventh Heaven Select. He is in the mixer. You're welcome. We finally got our backup playmakers, you, Tommy. That might mean we're both on the pine now, Chip, now that we've just keep rattling these players up. Shit. Welcome to the pine. <laughs> and, I guess, and I guess this presents an interesting question about the GB7 squad, which we've obviously spoken about a lot this pod. What is the scope for 15s players coming into the squad late on? Cause is that something that's going to happen? Is it something that's spoken about? Do you know anything? I think what Rocky's, the coach, Tony Rokes, has made quite clear is that he is taking on this project, endeavouring to send the best squad possible to Tokyo. And some of the conversations he's had with players is involved like the, the doors never close kind of thing. Um, I think there's a couple of things around that. One, you never know how people are going to survive training camps and, you know, when injuries pop up, you're in- invariably going to have to bring players in. Um, so I think it, it's fluid to some extent. I don't think there's, there's any sense in which anything is a closed shop. I don't know if that's ever the case in the sports team, really. Um, obviously, the later on we leave it or, you know, those opportunities come up, the harder it is to, to integrate and to get involved, I suppose. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Mitch. I don't think, I don't think the door's the door shut, shut on anyone. Um, we saw the value of the, the 15 slides in the Olympics last time. Like, and I'm not being arsed, Mitch, but I don't think that team would have medaled without James Davis. He was outstanding. Covey was outstanding mm. in the tournament. Obviously, he was in the in the dream team. He came in and he was amazing in the um, in the warm up tournaments and his work over the ball in that in um, well in all the games pretty much. He was like second to none, like best jackpot out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's an interesting thing with the timing now because actually we've had longer in theory in this preparation for 15s guys than probably what was the case before Rio um, so if there were 15s guys out there looking to to switch over then then now is the time but um, it's really interesting to know what conversations would have, we wouldn't have been party to them as players but you know obviously Charlie Hayter spoke with Marcus previously as Marcus just said um, who knows what other conversations have gone on and might, might still be you know, in the pipeline. Yeah, if any 15s players want to get their get their number across to Tony Rooks, just send it to me and I'll definitely put it in the video. <laughs> right, that is it. What an episode. What a guest. Awesome to get Marcus Smith on. The postman chip once again delivers. Mitch is in camp. He's on mole behind, not enemy lines, friendly lines, giving us the scoop for the weeks running up to Tokyo now. So we're all set for a big year. But until next time from all of us up here in 7th Heaven, it is adios. See you. Bye.